Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast, COVID-19 Leadership Specials. On today's show, we have Peter Brown, my old friend. He's been on the show before, so if you're a regular listener, you'll know him. But uh, this was an interesting one, Greg. Yeah, it was kind of nice. We did a roundtable where we all kind of talked evenly, which usually doesn't happen on the podcast, so that was nice. Yeah, it was kind of like, uh, yeah, you know what? You're gonna if you're if you if you if you're looking for some guidance in this, this one will help you think through your scenarios. Let's put it that way. This episode of the show, Greg, is sponsored by our association, the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, of which we are longtime members. Um, most of our sponsors are members, and a lot of our listeners are members. So go to nail.d.org, baby. That's nail.org. But for right now. We're talking about the impact of COVID-19 on the industry and more on the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Hello, Peter Brown. Welcome to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast for the third time. Good morning, gentlemen. Hi, Greg. Hi, Michael. Hi, Hi, Peter. Thanks for coming on. Hey, I don't think I've ever told this story, but um, I think, Peter, we go back 16 years, 15 years? Yeah, at least somewhere around there, yep. So... I I think maybe 2003. I remember I was um, learning about T5HO technology, which seems like dinosaur stuff now. But uh, I was trying to replace high bays, and Peter introduced me to uh, these reflectors that took a T5 lamp, Greg, and changed the degree at which it came out of the fixture so that you could mount the lights at 60 feet or 70 feet. Do you remember that? Remember that, Peter? You were a little skeptical, if I remember. <laughs> ha! Big surprise. <laughs> but yeah, so then uh, Peter was like, no, you know what, man? You can replace those halides with T5s. You just have to use this 0.9 reflectance reflectors we have for the T5s, and you can mount them at 60 and 70 feet. And I did, Greg, and that's how Peter and I met. And that worked. And you it sold worked. a lot of pictures, I bet. I sure did, yeah. I Thank sure you, did. Peter. Thanks for helping him. <laughs> So now we're together. You're coming on our uh, our COVID leadership series here, Peter. But you texted me the other day and you said, hey, you know, I got some news for you. I can't really tell you or whatever, but maybe now we'll tell the world, Peter. What is it that you wanted to talk about? Well, one of my clients is a, is a large um, utility and they're concerned about just we, – we talked about this before as far as just – how network lighting controls is going to impact their energy savings. Well, now obviously they're concerned about how all of this is going to impact their goals for this year, as far as just, you know, what's going to happen, how much is it going to decline? It's obviously going to affect the number of projects done. So what I've been doing to help them figure that out is mainly talk to primarily contractors, uh, mainly in, in the Midwest part of the country, but also elsewhere, a couple of distributors, some OEMs, just to get a sense of what's going on, how this is impacting, you know, pre-audit, audit, uh, proposals, contracts, installation. And um, it's, it's fascinating to see how it's kind of starting to play out. There's a fair amount of people that are... Um, uh, figuring it out. Some are really uh, concerned. Other ones are, hey, we're going to figure this out. Um, it just, it seems as though in, in an overview, um, schools are, are the biggest issue. Um, there's a lot of people that, that just 
you know, they've closed the schools down, they've cleaned them up, and they don't want anybody in there. Um, they can't get into audit. As you all know, this is a big time of the year to get into audit. Uh, so you can get in and come up with a proposal, get a plan, order material, get in there in the summer and do a project, which is what at least 50% of the jobs, maybe more in any given year done during the school break. So that's an issue. Um, there's other more commercial industrial that are open that are saying, get in here and do as much as you can in case we get shut down. So it's, it's all over the place as far as um, how it's being responded to. It seems as though anybody that's, that's had a conservative business that's got some reserves are looking to take care of their people. Other ones are laying people off and they're not sure what's going to happen. So it's not all over the map. Yeah, and I think it probably depends somewhat on the territory as well or the region you're in. But uh, I'm I'm actually having a lot of luck with schools right now because there are no students there. It's easy to count. I counted a whole district last week and and working on proposals as as we speak before and after the show here. But it's uh and, and possibly getting them done sooner than the summer now because basically the school year shot. So I think there's some potential at least here, but other markets might not be the case. It sounds like. Yeah, it seems it's more of a count, a state-by-state state basis because each mm -hmm. state is putting out a non-essential or essential list and or whatever they're putting out. And so it seems to vary and there seems to be some, uh, you know, it may be that like here in Arizona, they basically said, okay, no, no, nothing until the end of April. Well, you even come back after that. Um, and so... Um, the other part of it is there's there's maybe some concerns for product. Um, I talked to one person that says there's there's um, <laughs> there's a demand for container ships because all of a sudden China's cranked back up and now there's a lot of things that want to come over and there's only so many container ships and there's a premium for getting on a ship, getting your container on a ship. So you may or may not want to pay that. Um, so that you know that's part of it. There's some. Entities that are, that are substituting, you know, getting other vendors. Um, the consensus seems to be that if this follows the normal curve, we're in for 30 to 60 days of whatever, and then we're going to start to come out of it. The question is, how fast are we going to come out of it? So um, is it going to take 90 days? Is it going to take the rest of the year? Um, that's obviously we just don't know. So. Do you think the utility companies, or at least ones you're talking to, are they are they potentially going to increase their rebates because of the downtime? They're going to say we have this much money to give out. Now we're going to double our rebate. That kind of well, thing. You, you know how it works. You know, usually by if if it's a calendar year, sometime in the summer they go, wow, we have looks like we're going to have a bunch of money left over. So let's initiate something September one for the last quarter. Um, <laughs> they haven't even talked about that yet. Uh, because I think they're still assessing it. So, but that's a possibility, obviously, to try and drive it. Who knows? They may get a waiver to be able to go into next year. You know, we, we may see, as somebody said, this isn't like a restaurant meal. You're going to do the lighting upgrade at some point. Um, so it's not lost. It's just more delayed. And so we may see people get a waiver into next year uh, because they, you know, hopefully will have an abundance of stuff happen next year. I'd like to do a little exercise amongst the three of us. Okay. I'm going to get out a pad of paper. 
And uh, I'm going to ask you guys four questions. And we could see if we could put together for the, uh, the listeners that run in businesses right now, particularly lighting businesses, if we can put together some a brainstorming session here that maybe they can take something away from that they find useful. Okay, Greg and Peter, what do you guys think is the best thing that can happen? What is the best outcome that can happen? Best case scenario from all of this. Realistic, realistic best case scenario. Start with me because here's what I think could happen. Best case is that the lighting industry kind of gets, gets back to where it was, where it had higher quality manufacturers, higher quality product, people that actually know lighting. It's going to filter out potentially a lot of the companies that came in and just undercut people on price and, you know, went after rebates. I know we get into that. My company goes after rebates too. You guys do as well. But there's a lot of people that don't belong in lighting. And I think something like this might actually filter that out and, and help that in the industry out in that manner. Okay. So I, that's not really what I'm getting at, but I'm going to write that down as a, there's sort of a purging is what you're saying is a, is part of a good outcome. Yeah. And, and, and it's a good outcome because the people that belong in lighting are going to benefit from it long-term. Okay, so that that's a what you're talking about is a long term. I'm talking about the short term yeah. outcomes. Okay. Thirty to say he was talking about in the next thirty to ninety days. What's the best outcome in the next thirty to ninety days, Greg? Not long term. What's the best out like for Premier Lighting? Forget about the bad competitors. Forget about the low level operators um, and degenerate peddlers. Forget about those guys. The best outcome is that best case outcome for Premier Lighting in the next thirty to ninety days. uh, You're saying that's realistic, or that I hope for realistic best case (laughs) scenario Uh, that we get back to business as usual. By by when? Uh, June first. June first, back to business as usual. Is there a ramp up period? Yeah, I would say you know April might be shot. We'll talk May to ramp it up and, and back back going in June. So in May, you start to, this is your best case scenario. In May, maybe you recall some of your employees. By the end of May, you have all your employees and you're up and running by, by June June 1st. That's your I hope for, I hope for earlier. I mean, I, I think best, best realistic case. Realistic best case scenario. You think that's it? Uh, let's say end of April, yeah. End of April yeah. now. So we're yeah. now we're at end of yeah, April. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so by end of April, you've recalled your employees. The people at the rebate places are back to work and they're taking rebate applications and uh, that's where we're at. Peter, what's your situation there? I, I would say... Realistic July. best case scenario. Realistic best July, case. July to August. You're saying realistic best case scenario is that the employees are recalled, the people at the rebate places are back approving rebates, everybody's out counting lights by late July, early August. The reason I say that is because a lot of this is going to depend on the psyche of people saying. Remember, okay, hang I, on. This is your realistic best case scenario. Right. Yep. Not worst, not most likely. Realistic best case scenario. Uh huh. Yep. Okay, July, early August. As far as back to the way we were, the volume we were doing three months ago. Okay. But you're saying employees are back, everybody's shipping POs, there's no social distancing, go out, shake hands, make deals, that sort of stuff. You're saying late July, early August. Okay. All right, Greg. What's your realistic what you, Hey, what are you gonna answer? Okay, I'll throw mine in the pot here yeah. too. Okay. Yeah. I think I think the the realistic best case scenario is that um the people of the United States of America and of the Western world um, await their leaders 
to tell them when things are going to go back to normal. And not in terms of normal business, but I'm just saying that, hey, social distancing is off the table. Business is back. Get after it. Go for a massage. Get your hair done. Everything's back up and running. I think that's that the best in the best case scenario that is maybe in the, the, the third quarter of April, like third third to fourth week of April. And um, there is, this is best case scenario. There is a massive explosion of, of people, of positive energy, of, of the spirit of the free and the brave coming back and saying, you know what? We're not going to back down. We're not going to cower from, we're not afraid. You know, we're the, this is the land of the free and the home of the brave, boy. We're going to get back after it and we're going to get our economy back up and running and we're going to do that through pure force of energy and desire. And I think that's a realistic best case outcome and the economy absolutely explodes at the end of this. People are throwing post-COVID parties. There's... Um, uh, an explosion of pent up energy and everybody's had enough. And we've, you know, the, 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 you, you burst through the gate like a wild horses, buddy. So that's my realistic best case scenario. Okay. That's a, that's a scenario. I think it's possible. So I'm saying third week to fourth week of April that uh, we burst through that gate and we're running hot and everybody's really excited and everybody's, going to get after it and kids are back in school maybe first week of may-ish and you know people set set aside the fear not only are we through the covid but we're also through the fear and, and panic that has been spread is set aside as well so that's my best case scenario best case scenario all right so that would be the third or fourth week of april and everything just explodes because people are so pent up and they're ready to rock Worst case, Greggy, what's your worst case scenario? Uh, to me, I would say September. Like it, it, it would be, you know, the, the summer where it would it'd start picking up maybe in July, August, and then September back to normal. That's so my worst realistic case. worst case scenario. You think things in your worst case scenario, you think things can go back to normal? I think, yeah. Well, I don't think it'll ever. It'll it'll be different. Let's put it that way. It won't be the exact same as it was. Um, when you talk, because you're talking a few things here. If you're talking like, are people going to be comfortable shaking hands again? No, Probably no. Not. Talking about premier lighting, revenue is back pre, uh, pre where it was. The employees have their jobs back. People are back to slinging light bulbs. And the most important thing is whether energy efficiency is the key story for lighting or not. Like something like that. September. September. Okay. How about you, Peter? Um, sometime last quarter. So that could be yeah, so let's just let's just say November. So November. So we're gonna you're gonna say worst case scenario is November. Realistic worst case scenario is November. Okay. Um again, I think I'm more extreme than both of you. I think uh uh so I have my company is broken up into into three what I call profit centers or operating centers. And one recycles light bulbs, the other does lighting projects, and the other one sells lighting supplies. In my realistic worst case scenario, the one that sells projects no longer exists. Because 
people are not willing to engage in capital spending because there's uh, um, a massive um, uh, the zeitgeist is one of capital preservation. It's one of of hold on to your cash, buy gold, right? And so the zeitgeist is causing CFOs and CEOs to say, you know what, I'm not spending any money. I don't care what promises you're talking about. The, the dollar in the bank is the dollar that we're doing. And then also in that scenario, in my worst case scenario, um, the employees get all their employment benefits that they were promised by the government because uh, those are the voters. And uh, so they get all their money, but all the promises made to the small and medium-sized businesses end up getting snipped out and chipped out and chipped away at as the crisis goes on and there's less and less cash available. And screw those cigar-smoking business owners. Who needs those guys? We, we need to help the people. The people, the, the main street needs help not the you know not the bankers and so this time instead of it all going to jp morgan chase and um uh, um uh what is that american insurance group aig or uh, this it goes directly into the pockets of american citizens whether they're working or not whether they're shitbirds or producers it doesn't matter everybody at the bottom gets the money and again the guys that are running the medium-sized enterprises are out are out of the money and they don't get what they were supposed to get like in canada they're making a promise that if you keep your employees employed you're going to get 75 percent of the money but then the conditions are starting to leak out now at the end right your revenue has to have gone down by at least 30 percent, or you have to prove this so we're going to see if any of those promises end up on the cutting room floor right so i think that the my worst case scenario is that atlas continues to sell light bulbs Lighting Solutions ceases to exist as a company that does lighting projects for people. And uh, Waste Diversion just becomes a part of Atlas Lighting um, as a small side thing to recycle light bulbs. I think you've spent more time thinking about the worst case scenario than all of us. <laughs> Which is okay. We need that. Yeah. And I think that people need to take a hard look in the mirror. And they need to say that you know, are we Americans or are we going to become something different after this? You know, are we seriously, that's seriously what it is because, you know, we're not descended from fearful men, but there's a lot of fearful people out there and they seem to be in control right now. And, um, you know, that you're seeing a lot of things that you've never seen. Remember when we spoke about this, Greg, back in, uh, uh, I think it was at Strategies and Light, and I was telling you about how they, they locked down the entire province of Hubei, China, and there's 60 million people that live there. Remember that? We were talking yeah. about that? Mm -hmm. And I said, you think they could ever lock down New Hampshire, live free or die? Right. Thought of Can they lock down New Hampshire, live free or die? Is, the, is that state's model, right? They locked it down, bro. Yeah. Right? So I think there's a, it's a metaphysical moment right now about who we are. And I think there's a real chance that the people that COVID marks an epoch and it's the end of the age of freedom. And so I think that is a realistic worst case scenario for all of us. So... 
that it never goes back. And I think people have to have a gut check time. And when we're going through all this stuff of closing down schools and doing all this stuff, and we really have to ask ourselves, is this what we want? And, you know, um, you know, are we going to, are we going to, you know, are we going to really walk this path? And so I think that's a realistic worst case scenario. I'm not saying it's what I think can happen, but I think it's realistic, man. Okay. All right. So then what's the most likely scenario? To me, the most likely is is what I labeled as the best. I I feel like that's really what's going to happen is by the end of April, uh, we're going to ramp back up and then June 1st is going to come. You think so? So your your most likely and your best outcome are the same. Okay. Mm -hmm. How about you, Peter Brown? Um, I'm still going for the middle of the road as far as July, August, simply because there's so much we don't know today that's going to play out in the next four weeks, assuming we have this curve. And depending on how quickly that curve curls over and we start to come on the other side of it, the longer that timeline stretches on, the more I think it's going to take to recover from that. In other words, you know, they talk about the stock market recovering in a, in a V, goes down sharply, comes right back up, or it's a U. So the longer we have um, a, you know, case rate, death rate, whatever, the longer that continues on, I think that's going to have an impact on the psyche of people on what they do and don't do on the recovery side. You talk about this curve a lot. What are you talking about with this curve? Well, simply, you know, they're talking about um, how many, well, once you're going to increase in cases, and then the cases are going to start to decline. Cases decline, deaths decline. Um, how long that takes to happen, and how, you know, hopefully, I think. It seems as though we've got some drugs, we've got testing that's gone from five days down to 15 minutes in a matter of three or four weeks, which is awesome. Um, there's some old malaria type drugs that are out there that are showing good promise. If all those things come to fruition, then that may be a V. In other words, we're, we're going to spike up and then we're going to drop rapidly on the backside. And that's going to really give people a positive sense of this. You know, this is behind us. It's, it's it's not dragging on. And I think maybe more to uh, Greg's scenario time-wise. I'm, I'm just not sure. So that's why I threw out a longer timeline. So is the curve not, is part of the curve that we're talking about here, is it not? So I don't know how to like, I look at this here. And uh, I haven't had any emails yet. I had some emails calling me a jerk when I talked about keeping our convention going um, before we canceled our convention or postponed it for nailed that is. Um, But is not the curve, isn't there an element of all this, which is fear and panic? Like doesn't that curve have to be suppressed as well? So so I've got a great, and I, I don't know who said this, but basically panic is fear in action and calm is faith in action. So the question is, how many people have fear in their hearts that wind up having, you know, their actions turn into panic or delay or whatever it is versus the people that are calm and say, okay, let's look at some numbers and and let's look at this differently. 
So to your point, um, Michael, as far as it's a gut check, are, are you fearful or are you calm? What, what is it? So are you asking like, me? No, I'm, I'm just saying that that's, you know, just to, to sort of clarify my point, but to your point, as far as it's a gut check for the country is, you know, where are we? Uh, how many people feel one way versus the other and how that's going to affect the outcome? Hmm. So what's your realistic, Mike? That's where you're at now. Oh, it's my turn again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. I think what I think there's you're going to I think what's going to happen sadly um what most likely is going to happen is this is going to strike down political lines and you're going to have the emergence of uh you know people talk about hawks and doves when they talk about war they talk about someone being hawkish or they talk about someone being a warmonger and someone being dovish and being kind of afraid to get involved. I think you're going to have like a split between the people that want to go back to normal and live their lives and the new people, we'll call them Covidians. People that, um, you know, want to see, that want for some reason, there seems to be a desire in some to have this. Like, I hate to say it that way, and I'm talking, I don't know if I'm speaking the right way, but there seems to be a perverse, um, like a negative happiness or something. Like I was driving my car and I looked out the window at a stoplight and I saw a guy sitting in his car with the windows up, wearing a mask and wearing gloves in his own car by himself. And so I, I, I just wonder about the... To me, I think there's going to be some mental health issues that emerge from this. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the zeitgeist. I'm talking about the, the mass consciousness of all of us. There's damage from this. And I think that in the realistic scenario, we're going to have to deal with um, like a cognitive dissonance in our cultural mind. We're going to be of two minds and we're going to be one of... Are we safe to shake hands? Can I give my grandmother a hug? Fearfulness to wondering whether the other person thinks that's okay or not. And I think that's going to take a long time to heal because uh, there's, just, there's just too much. It's almost like a kind of, there'll be like a, 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 a business, like a, a, I don't know, I'm, I'm off topic here a little bit, but I think that there's going to be a, a frame of time where, um, I, you know, where people have to recover and get back to, like, there's going to be a healing that has to happen from this. There's going to be and, an awkwardness too that we don't yes. nobody knows what to do. Like, should I do that or not? <laughs> and it's yes. going to delay the process for sure. I get what you mean. And so I, I, I think, and I think it's like it's sort of like a a a archetypal or or metaphysical mental illness that is caused by trauma. It's like, it, it's like PTSD for our whole society. You know, everybody's traumatized by this. And, you know, how do you go back, right? Um, that to the positive energy, to the high fives and the hugs and the fist pumps and like college game day, you know, we're all in big crowds and stuff like that. I think there needs to be a healing and there's going to have to be true leadership that's shown and it has to happen at the industry level, has to happen at the company level. It has to happen at the 
the country level and the state level. And um, I, I'm just fearful that the political, that the politics that divides America, that I think in the most likely realistic case scenario, it's going to divide America further, including Canada in that too as well. These divides between people are going to grow and this is going to cause that. So it, I think that's it, it, realistic too. Part of that may be we may see parts of the country coming back quicker uh, because low density, uh, you know, less cases, less deaths um, that, you know, you, you, based on what we see today, you would think New York would probably be the last just because of the number of cases there, the impact, as you said, on, on people's psyche and whatever. So what does that mean uh, versus if you're in Topeka, Kansas? Um, you know, and, and you've got a potential to do a job in a plant in there and everybody's, you know, it's, it, had, it was an inconvenience. Yes, there might have been two or three deaths, but it, it's something that people get over quickly, just like a tornado goes through. I mean, life goes on. Um, so that's going to be fascinating to see how it shakes out. It's interesting from the lighting perspective how... Um how you look at it from like it's like you're peering through the lighting lens and it leads you to these other areas um so the most i think the most likely scenario is that there's some sort of permanent scarring or damage on business relations people are gonna go to shake hands and it'll be awkward they're gonna um though you don't know how to do we're supposed to elbow bump oh now we're not even supposed to elbow bump we're supposed to be six feet up like this kind of it went from no shaking hands to fist bumps to elbow bumps to being six feet apart like that happened like like that, right? So in the business world, I wonder how it's going to be. I mean, can an apprentice be on a lift with an electrician? Is that going to be allowed? I think we're very fortunate in the industry we're in. We're not in the restaurant business. We're, we're not in something that, that, that absolutely you live or die by the number of people that you have and how close they are. Uh, so we're very fortunate in that regard. Uh, and the fact that our core business, for the most part, seems to be considered essential. Certainly distributors are, um, and, and to a certain extent electricians and so on, just because of their availability for essential things like hospitals and whatever else. So we're, we're halfway there already, uh, I think, which is, we're, you know, we're very fortunate from that standpoint. So then... I ask you guys this then, long term, you talked about that, the purging um, and, uh, you know, who, who's going to survive and who's not going to survive. It's That's an interesting question, Greg. Um, and if it's something that you really want, because that doesn't mean you're not going to be purged. And maybe if I, if I get purged, then I belong to be purged. That's how I feel. I, that's what I want to happen. I want this to you know, the strong survive, whatever you're going to say, let's figure out who it is, who belongs here, who needs to be here, who should be here, and who doesn't get out. That's what I want. Peter? Brother, that's right around. I, I think I, I talked to, to one company, and um, they said, look, uh, to have all employees go home, figure out exactly how much minimum money they need for the next three months, six months. We've got money in the bank. We can afford to support them even if we don't have any revenue, and we'll get through this. Now, you come out of that with very, very loyal employees. Uh, you know, when you really need to help, somebody's there for you um, versus not. Okay, so, you know, if, if you're not conservative, if you don't have a positive 
balance sheet and you don't have a lot of debt or you have a lot of debt and you can't do that, then as Greg said, you may wind up going away. Um, so, you know, it's always been this way, survival of the fittest, you know, capitalistic destruction or whatever you want to call it. Um, but I think a lot of good is going to come out. Of this. There's a lot of solid companies out there. I mean, Keystone, look at Keystone, you know, uh, just how solid they are. I'm going to knock on wood for them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, you don't want to send any bad luck their way. But yeah, there's some strong companies out there, strong balance sheets. Family businesses always seem to perform better in crises than publicly traded companies. That's a, that's a statistically proven thing that on average a company that's a family owned and operated company will will make it through crises better than than uh, ones that are uh, joint stock publicly traded companies um, so uh, that yeah, you know and keystone's got is is well led as well um, but you know there's no guarantees here and i think that i think you know from a perspective of you know what's going to happen after this i think we need to be positive now i laid out no, I don't know if positive is the right word. I think we need to be optimistic. And I'm aiming for that best case scenario. That's how I'm going to come out. Okay? But I'm not going to hold that line forever. You understand what I'm saying? Like as a leader, I'm going to act and I'm going to act in a manner now that is going to capitalize on what I believe is the best case scenario. But if the best case scenario doesn't emerge then plan B has to start taking place, Peter. Right? And this idea that these companies are going to keep people employed for six months without revenue. You told me that what your payroll was, Greg, a couple, what, a week last week, you told me what it was every two weeks, right? And that's a lot of money, bud. Yeah, and, it, and a lot of, right now, the government is kind of forcing our hand in a way. They're saying, we're going to shut you down. We're not going to give you any revenue. So what are we supposed to do as businesses? Sure, we can give money to employees and then keep them on, but what does that do for us long-term? So I think, you, you know, unfortunately, you got to kind of take advantage of the government programs that are out there when in times like this. I don't like it, but what else are we supposed to do? Get back to normal. That's what I want. Yeah, I, I think one of the one of the aspects of why I'm a little bit longer term as far as this getting back going again is the longer this goes on, your accounts receivable, accounts payable starts to have all sorts of time constraints and okay, we can't get money, so we're not going to do this or that or whatever. How long that timeline is gonna take is the unknown at this point. And obviously there's government programs involved, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm hearing things like, okay, we had these kind of terms with somebody, they just changed them yesterday. Uh, um, and, you know, at least they told them. <laughs> I, I would think some people won't even tell them. Um, so uh, that may cause things to unwind or wind back up more slowly, my take. Unpaid debts, settling scores. <laughs> Peter Brown, always a pleasure, man. Always, gentlemen. Always great to talk to you guys. Thanks, Thanks for being a guest. Yeah, bye for now. Okay, bye.
National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. Go to NAILD.org where these kind of conversations happen all the time. If you like that one, which I'm sure if you're a business leader, you probably did like it because it laid out some serious forecasts, Greg. Yeah, interesting to hear the different opinions that we all had. Uh, but something important that you got to take the time to think about and be ready for and prepare. Yeah, as a leader, you got to have a, in times like these, you need a plan A, you need a plan B, you need a plan C, and then you also need to have a dagger behind your back. There you go. Just in case. Keep your powder dry and your guns loaded. <laughs> Folks, <laughs> thanks for listening to the Get a Grip on Lightning podcast.